0: A couple of weeks ago, Dottie's daughter received a late-night phone call, an invitation to go for a ride. Normally, she probably would have gone, but this particular evening, she, she turned it down. <clears throat> About five minutes later, the person that she was going to take that drive with was killed in a collision. A couple of days later, Amanda received another phone call. Two of her friends had been murdered. We love Dottie. We love her family. We love Amanda. And our hearts go out to Amanda. And our hearts go out to all the families involved. what happened to Amanda could happen to any of us. We assume we're going to wake up in the morning, (laughs) that's going to be life as usual, that everything is just going to carry on the way we anticipate, and we never know when life is going to change for us, for our family. Last week, hundreds of people went to bed expecting to wake up the next morning, life as usual, never guessing that a bomb would go off and they would never see another day. Israel was under attack. Maybe we want to pretend that we're not living in the final days of Earth's history. Maybe we want to think we have a lot more time Because after all, haven't we been told for a long time that, oh, Jesus will be coming soon. But you know it is sooner now because time has gone by. These are exciting and disconcerting times. but prophecy is being fulfilled right now in our day, in our very lifetime. Matthew 24, 3 through 8 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And then there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay. True. That's true. But we're getting even closer today. Matthew 24, 37, 42 and 44 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Reading through some of the minor prophets this last week, I came across some verses in Zephaniah 2, 1 through 5, and they caught my attention. In fact, they rather hit me between the eyes when I saw Gaza, and as I was hearing all the news reports about Gaza, and so I had to study and read into it just a little bit further, I want to share with you what I read. It says, Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like sheaf, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza shall be forsaken. And Ashkelon desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites! The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will destroy you, so there shall be no inhabitants. I want to read that whole thing again from the Living Bible translation. It just is kind of more in our language. I want to give it just a little bit of a twist, and it puts it this way. Gather together and pray, you shameless nation, while there is still time, before judgment begins and you are blown away like chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord falls and the terrible day of his wrath begins. Beg him to save you, you who are humble, all who have tried to obey. Walk humbly and do what is right. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you from his wrath in the day of doom. Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, Ekron, these Philistine cities too will be rooted out and left in desolation. And woe to you Philistines living in the coast and in the land of Canaan, for the judgment is against you too. The Lord will destroy you until not one of you is left. And Amos 1, 7 through 8 says, But I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces. I will cast off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and the one who holds a scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. This prophecy speaks of times past and of present before the Lord's return. What we see now, I believe, is our prophecies being fulfilled as we live today. And we should be a people that are praying. We should be praying about the war. We have been called to be intercessors. These are our brothers and sisters so far away. Let us not forget them. But it's not just in Israel. This has come to America. They have brought the war here. Hamas calls, Hamas calls for a day of rage against the Israelites and the Jews. That's today. Have you heard about all the celebrating in New York? This is in the United States. The hate for our Jewish brothers. It's bringing out some questions. How does this affect us? What do we do? Where are we in all this? Many people are beginning to question. All of this calamity is causing people to even question. Causing people to question about the Lord. Causing people to question where they are in the timeline of Earth's history people that don't know Jesus, that have never accepted him, that have heard and wondered. Joel 3, 14 through 15 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars will diminish their brightness. Here in our own communities, there are people that are in the valley of decision there are people that don't know where to turn. In just the last two weeks, I've met two people that don't even have a Bible in their home. One young man we met a couple of weeks ago. Um, we stopped to pick a pizza on the way home. And no one else was there. We were at the counters. My husband started ministering to one young man. I was ministering to another young man. And as we got to talking, I found out that he he really wasn't going to church. He hadn't since he was a child. Mm, I don't know. After we talked a bit, I said, what would you like me to pray for for you? And out of this young man, I don't know, maybe he's late teens, he said, forgiveness. I was kind of blown away. So I said, I tell you what, I will pray for you right now. And when I get to that part, you can just say in your own heart whatever it is you need to say to God. And so we did. And when I was finished praying with him, he said, Thank you so much. I feel so much better. I asked if he had a Bible, and he said, No, I don't, but I would love to have one. So I've taken him a Bible. Now, the end of the story, I mean, there's more to that story, but the end of the story isn't yet. But my whole point in sharing this is every day, every day in our comings and our goings, wherever we are, we never know when God is going to present an opportunity to us. We never know whether it's where we are. We don't know if it's when we pick up the phone. Or we don't know whether it's going to be a prompting of the Lord about someone And when God prompts us about someone, our first thought should be to go to Jesus and start praying. First thing we should do, why did God put this person on our mind? Will we make a difference in someone's life? Will we let Jesus use us to make a difference? Will we bring someone hope Will we let them know that Jesus loves them? This we know. So what does Jesus invite us to do? In John 14, 13 and 14, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Lord says, Go. I'm right there with you. I'm going to help you. And why? Because he wants the Father to be glorified. We can be part of that. Isn't that awesome that the Lord would invite us to be part of that? To glorify our Father? That's so exciting. But before that even, he says in verse John fourteen twelve, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works then these he will do, because I go to my Father. You know, it's pretty hard for us to believe that Jesus will do anything we ask, isn't it? I mean, we've lived a while. We've seen some answered prayers. We've seen some unanswered prayers. You know, there may be good reason why some of those prayers are not answered. But the point is, God's word is true. And he says, ask. Ask, I'll do anything. I heard of a little lady. This is a true story. I heard of a lady a couple years ago whose home was broken into. And these men had come to rape her and kill her and steal whatever they could. And as they approached this dynamic Christian woman who had a relationship with the Lord, and there's the key, having a relationship with the Lord, that young woman stood and looked at me and pointed and said, freeze in the name of Jesus. And guess what? They froze. So she picked up the phone and she called the police. The police came to get them, but she had to unfreeze them so they could put handcuffs on them. There's power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is one of our most powerful weapons. And that's kind of what I entitled to what I'm presenting to you today God's warnings and weapons and Jesus name is a powerful weapon then you remember about our Nigerian friends they called out to God to protect them from Boko Haram. God sent fire from the sky burnt them to a crisp there's power in the name of Jesus I'm back to the war in Israel again, (laughs) the war in the Gaza Strip. What if they had such a personal relationship with Jesus that as the enemy was coming, they said, Freeze! In the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, wouldn't that be a better way to fight a war? (laughs) Or what if they fought the war like King Jehoshaphat? 2 Chronicles 20, 21 and 22. It says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. All power is given to us in his name. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I think that our first defense should be to pray for the souls and salvation of everyone, whether we call them friend or whether we call them enemy. But if they will not turn to God, then we need to ask God to protect his people. Amen? Praise is a powerful weapon. Think of Paul and Silas singing in jail and set free as recorded in Acts 16:25 and 26. It says, "But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them." Witnessing in jail, good thing to do. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. What a testimony for praise. What a testimony to the other prisoners who didn't believe in Jesus, who didn't know. You just hear these people singing praises to God and boom, chains are broken. Do you know that God even tells us that we can sing praises in our bed and bind up the enemy? I love this. Psalms 149, 5 through 9 says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people to bind their king with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment, this this honor have all of his saints. We've been invited to do that. All of us as his saints are invited to just lay in our beds and sing praises to God. Hallelujah. This is an honor that he's given to his saints, it says. I would like to say to you, if you are in the middle of a battle now, no matter what that battle is, I encourage you to praise. I encourage you to to go online and look up some of the, the praise songs, the lyrics of some of the battle songs, and then sing out loud those lyrics to the glory of God. Maybe some songs like The Battle Belongs to the Lord or Faith is the Victory or Victory in Jesus or sound the battle cry, or to God be the glory. Our waymakers, sing them in your bed and pray for God to be victorious in whatever battle you're personally facing. And pray for your family, your community, your friends, your church, the nation, other nations. Sound the battle cry. He's called us to be prayer warriors. He's called us to be intercessors. Praise is an inexpensive but powerful weapon that conquers the powers of darkness and you can use it daily. You can use it moment by moment. You can use it often. Psalms 50 verse 23 says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Praise elevates us into God's presence and his power. He'll fill our homes, he'll fill our church. God inhabits the praises of his people and praise dispels the enemy. He also tells us in John fifteen fourteen through 17, You're my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that... Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. He's chosen us. Every person in this room has been chosen to be here. God chose you. He chose you to come here. He wants you to know he loves you. He wants you to know that he has a call on your life. He wants you to know that every gift he's given you, he has a purpose for. He wants you to know that no one can do what you can do. No one can fill your shoes. That every person is important to Jesus. And he wants every person to be in the kingdom with him. He's chosen us and we have a responsibility. So, isn't it interesting, we're instructed to come to Jesus in his name so that the Father can be glorified, and we're invited to come to the Father in his name and receive. It's just an interesting thought that I came across as I was studying. It also says that if we truly love God, we'll love our neighbor. It doesn't matter how they feel about us. God didn't say that was conditional. He says, love, love. Let me pour my love through you and make a difference in the world. Love with God's love and forgive with God's forgiveness. John seventeen eighteen says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We've talked about this a lot. God has called us to be his disciples and to make disciples. And we won't be effective in that at all if we don't know who he is, if we don't have a personal relationship, if we don't spend time with him. We can't learn it from someone else. That's something we have to learn for ourselves and experience him for ourselves. We have to learn to know him. And when we read the Bible, it's not just to read a story, it's not just to understand, but it's to let the Bible read us, to show us where we need to grow, where we need to change, what he's calling us to do. Jesus is sending us as his disciples, his voice, his arms of love, and we don't go alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7 and 8 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit will help us allow Jesus to flow through us will give us the very words to speak. We don't ever have to be afraid. We don't ever have to resist. It's the Lord's desire to use us and pour himself through us. And when we're talking to someone, he knows them. They may be new. We may have just met them. We don't know their needs. We don't know their heart. We don't know what they need to hear. But Jesus does. And the Holy Spirit will just let those words flow through us to reach the very depths of their heart. Colossians three twelve through 17 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As I read through that passage and as I think of the possibility of our church growing overnight. As I think of new people coming in with all of their gifts and their talents and their love for the Lord, I'm excited. It says here we can teach and admonish one another. We can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And for those of you that were here last, what, week, two weeks ago, whatever it is, Wasn't it magnificent to hear all of these voices join together praising the Father? Wasn't that exciting? And the Lord is inviting us to do that. And then whatever we do, whatever we do wherever we are, it's all for the glory of God. And it's all through him. So again, I say sometimes Jesus is of divine appointments for us to encounter someone when we're out, when we pick up the phone, and sometimes he puts it in our hearts to pray for someone. We have to be able to recognize his voice and be willing. We need to sense his urging. I remember some time ago, it was about 2.15 in the morning, and I woke up with a start and an urgency. And the Lord said, in my heart, I sensed him saying, Pray for your mother. And so I laid there in bed, and I just began praying for my mother, and and I got groggy, and the Lord jolted me again and said, Pray for your mother. And I sat up in bed, and I said, Father, what do you want me to pray for my mother? And the urgency increased. I began to pray for my mother. I began to pray for my mother, I began weeping for my mother, I began pleading for her life. I slipped out of bed and the cabin was very cold, but I slipped out of bed and onto my knees. And I was there for about an hour, just interceding for my mother, pleading for her life. And then the urgency was over and I climbed back into bed and I went to sleep. At that time we lived out in a cabin about 40 miles. From town. The next morning I went into town where I could use a phone and I called. There was no answer. I hung around and I waited about 30 minutes and I tried again. There was no answer and I thought, well, hmm, I thought that if they were out feeding the horses they'd be back in the house by now, but where's my dad anyway? I couldn't get through. I ended up going back to the cabin. And it wasn't for another three days before I could call. When I called my mom, I just chatted for a minute, and then I said, hey, mom, I said, why did God wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning last Sunday? And she was quiet for a minute. And then she said, well, D, D-E-E, that's my family nickname, I just got back from the hospital. And around the time that you started praying, we were just heading for the car and on our way to the hospital. She says, you know where we live up here in the mountains, the hospital in the urgent care is over an hour away. And she said, sounds like God had you pray us there and save my life. When God puts someone on your heart, stop and pray. Whether you're sleepy, whether you're busy, whether you're tired, whether you're uncomfortable, stop and pray. Ask Holy Spirit to help you intercede for whoever God is putting on your heart because you don't know why God has called you. You don't know what God is trying to do because of you, through you. He's calling intercessors. I've probably shared with you before, but I think it's an important piece of information because sometimes we think, why am I still here and I'm not using my gifts and I'm not doing much and God, what do you want? And when I was doing my chaplaincy work and I had patients that were hanging on barely to life and I would come in and they would say, why am I still here? Why won't God just take me? And God put on my heart to say to them, as long as God gives you breath, you have purpose. The Lord desperately needs people that will intercede. And while you are here, that's your gift. Intercede. And you know what? Suddenly they had purpose. And that's something we can all do. We need to be aware of those around us. We need to have our little antennas up. Why not be bold? Why be shy? We don't have much time left on this earth anyway. I mean, no matter what age we are, if we lifted by 100, that's still not a whole lot of time left. So, why don't we use it for Jesus? Why don't we make a difference? Why don't we be bold? Some of the people that he asks us to be bold with, we never see again anyway. So what does it matter if we make a fool of ourselves? But if God calls us to speak out, do you really think that he would make a fool of us? No. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to do well. I'm saying to you today that we need to be able to intercede. Call upon the Holy Spirit to help. for help to do that. God wants to use us if we'll just let him. I have a deal with my friends. If they get into a problem and they need extra prayer, they don't even need to tell me what it's about. All they do is text me an SOS and I go to war for them. Jesus knows what they need. I just start praying. I have a lot of people that SOS me and I love it when they come back with the responses of how the Lord has intervened. It's so exciting to be an active part. Of Jesus work. We know not the day nor the hour, but he has revealed signs to help us know that his coming is near. And I say today, may we work together to lead others to our Jesus, to encourage each other in the gifts that have been imparted by the Holy Spirit. May each of us live for him, live like him, share him empowered by the Spirit, praise him from our heart, and look forward with eager anticipation to his soon return. In the meantime, we each have a work to do. So I'm gonna ask you if you've learned something today, Will you share it with someone? Will you encourage someone?